being pregnant to then being a parent or, you know, even the adoption process to being mm-hmm. a parent. Like that's a Yeah. That's a pretty big transition. I yeah. mean just one of many, many, many transitions. Yeah. Uh, and not that all of my life is governed by song lyrics, but a lot of my life is governed by song <laughs> lyrics. Um, and, like, as much as there's that optimism of that song in the back of my head about every new beginning comes from some of the beginnings and is also the lyric from uh, Fleetwood Mac's uh, Landslide, I've been afraid of changing because I built my life around you. That, like, I get it. There's a part of me, and I think of everybody, that, like, anytime there's change, it's scary because we build our lives around a certain way mm-hmm. of doing things. And when something gets shaken... Rarely does just one Jenga block get moved. It moves other stuff in our lives. And if all of our lives are now disrupted by something changing, it can be scary. Um, so maybe a piece for us to name is that all of our lives have different areas of transition. Maybe talk about that. But also, how do we honor and name both? The, the, the scary parts of it that feel uncertain as well as the things that are hopeful at the same time. And, and maybe we could name too, I, I like that you mentioned, Erica, the pandemic, that when we respond to situations of transition, a mentality question for all of us to ask is, is the goal as I go through this transition to at some point get back to things the way they were or am I going to something new? I mean, then that's what we've all been wrestling with in the pandemic. Everybody talks these days about when things go back to normal, which is sort of a, this is a weird transition time. I want it to go back the way it was. Some things are like that. Other things are a transition. I'm leaving this thing behind. The transition gets me through the wilderness and then I go to something new that is decidedly different in some ways. That's a different kind of scary. And I'll be the first one. I hate transition. I hate change. Like, Mm I always say, you know, God has a sense of humor because he made a, a gal that hates chains into an itinerant minister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which means every few years I'm going to have to move. But I think for me one of the hardest things in, in talking about the pandemic, and this is certainly pointed this out to me, is when transitions don't have necessarily an end to oh, them. Oh, yeah. You know, like uh, a lot of transitions in our life have like kind of a distinct end to them. Yeah. But things like this pandemic and other transitions like we hope, we pray that there's an end to this yeah, someday. Yeah, we yeah. don't know when that is going to be. So, like, as a single person, I hope to get married someday. And, you know, eventually, I hope that my next relationship will end in marriage. Mm-hmm. And there will be a date to that. And then that will start a new, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. season in my life. But, like, there, there's an end point to that. Or, you know, when you're pregnant, like, there's an end point. You hope there's an end point. <laughs> you you hope there's an end point. But you have a general idea that, you right. know, in about nine months or so, there's going to be an end point of being pregnant and then I'm going to become a parent. Yeah. Or the adoption process, you know, has that, you know, a lot of transitions have an end point. Um, but I'm realizing, you know, like I said, we're a year into this pandemic that we don't know the end point. And that's, for me, that's absolutely terrifying. So this this seems to me like, and I don't know that maybe we're just stumbling into the brilliance of this, this thinking here, but like... Because I don't know that we plan to exactly get to this, but like as, as you're as you're saying this, it says to me like, all right, when we find ourselves in any kind of life transition, family stuff, work stuff, whatever, one important early uh, question to ask yourself is, is this a time of I'm going to go back to a normal, or is there a new thing in front of me? And just being clear about that, so I know what to expect and what to hope for. Second of all. Like, is this the kind of transition that will have a clear, defined endpoint, and how will I know it? Because there are going to be some times in life when what will get me through is this is not going to be forever. There will be an endpoint. Here's how I will know. It will be I'll start hearing a baby crying. That's how I'll know. Or there will be rings and exchange, and there will be a procession, and someone will do the funky chicken. You know, like that's how I'll know the wedding has happened. Um, 
And then there's going to be other times where we've got to be honest and say, this is one of those times where there's not going to be a, a firm, concrete, rigid, this is the end, this is the, the end of the end, and now the beginning of the beginning. And it'll be harder, like, like the pandemic. And at least if we can be clear about that, we don't add the additional burden of frustrated expectations because we, didn't, we were hoping for something that was never going to happen. And, yeah. and I think also though there, there is this third type of transition, okay. which is the transition that just turns into another transition. Ah. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to argue that the, the, the transition of becoming a parent, whether it's through childbirth or adoption, yeah, you, you, um, you end up with a baby, but that baby doesn't stay a baby. Exactly. That baby changes yeah. and evolves into suddenly, and there isn't an exact moment. Right. But suddenly that baby's a toddler. Yeah. And then, again, that baby changes and grows and learns. And, again, there isn't a pinpoint. But some to- at some point, that toddler turns into a little boy or a little girl or, like, you know, a little child. But, like, mm-hmm. there's a clear moment when suddenly you look at your kid and you go, you're not a toddler anymore. Yep. You're now a preschooler. Like, you're, you're, like, moving and walking and talking and, like, you, you have more of a neck, so you look less like a baby, and like mm-hmm, you look like mm-hmm. a kid now. And like, and I'm assuming I've gotten past this point, but I'm assuming it continues to change. <laughs> then they sprout wings, and it's t- no. I'm sorry, no, no. <laughs> but but same with relationships. Mm-hmm. That you know that transition of like joining your life with somebody else's. You know, um, unless that relationship just ends and you break up. Um, that that relationship continues to change and evolve, and like it's almost continually transitioning into yeah. a different type of relationship. Hopefully, a better mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Like you continue to grow and strengthen. And um, but I'm not entirely sure that there are end dates. Yeah. Like it just transitions into another transition period. And I think those kind of transition periods, we're okay with them. Because we know that that's coming, you know, we know like pregnancy, infancy turns into toddler, turns into child, turns into teenager, like, and, and we know that that kind of moves forward, and, and those are good trans. You want your child to grow, you mm-hmm. want your relationship, so those are good transitions. Yeah. But it's the transitions that are scary, mm. that are hard, that are difficult, you know, that when there isn't that end point yeah. in sight, it's just like, how long am I going to be in this tunnel when am I going to see the light at the end of it? And I, I think it's, it's worth recognizing, even the transitions that we would say good and that we're prepared for by sort of the, the script of how life is supposed to go. Children start as babies and grow, that kind of thing. Just because it, we could all say, yes, this is how it's supposed to go, also doesn't mean that they don't have bitter sweetness and heartache to them. You know, like, oh, gosh, like yeah. that even the best case scenario for the, the life that goes completely to cookie cutter, you know, like watching your child grow up there's something beautiful you're proud of. Oh, good, they said a sentence, or they you know can reach the, the that drawer or whatever. But then there's also, oh no, now they can reach that drawer now. Um, and there's also a, like a grieving like that. To realize everything is in transition means that, in a sense, an awful lot of our life is spent letting go of things, and we don't have to be morose or depressed about it. But that means there comes a point when you realize, and it probably doesn't get announced at the time. But oh, I've probably changed my last diaper for. 40 years until there's grandkids or something like that. And like, oh, that season is over. And the the things, for good or for ill, there's a certain letting go of those things are done. And, like, you know, when I look back at my kids who are 7 and 9, now, there was a time when 
Like, they want nothing more than just to snuggle on a couch and watch uh, a TV show, and that, that made them the happiest kid in the world, and now there's other things that grab their attention. And I can either feel betrayed and upset, why did you grow up on me? Or, like, this is how it's supposed to go. All of being human is a learning how to hold on and then also how to let go of things. And I, I guess I feel like that, that's a piece we don't often talk about. Even the good transitions, the things that are good things to watch happening come with pain. Um, and you can't, you can't trade off. There's no pain-free options in life. And you have to grieve those transitions. Yeah. Like, you, you might not grieve the transition of not changing diapers anymore or your child growing up in the same way that you would grieve the death of a loved one. Yeah. But I, I think when we, when we don't grieve it in some way, yeah. um, then we can turn to hold that resentment. And yeah. Like, you know, well, why don't you want to... Why do you want to stuff with me anymore? Like you used to always love to stuff, you know. And right. you realize, like, no, my child is becoming independent. They don't need me for everything. Right. This is a good thing. Right. Right. Yeah, it hurts as a parent because I miss the snuggles, but like, right, right, right. This was the whole point of becoming a parent is to raise a child to eventually become independent. Right. Right. So um, I'll just own my total nerdiness again with a Star Wars quote, but there, there's a line from uh, Episode Eight, The Last Jedi, where um, Yoda says uh, in, in a Force Ghost appearance to Luke Skywalker. No, no, no. There's no, there's no spoiler. Um, he, he just says to, to Luke, he says, um, they're, they're both sort of like old-aged masters at this point whose students have left them, and... Uh, he says, we are what they grow beyond. That's the true burden of being a teacher or um, a master or something is they have to grow beyond you. And if you start with the realization, yeah, the goal isn't, I'm gonna, it's going to be like this forever. Your job is to help form and shape and whatever, and then they grow up and they do something. Like, the, knowing that's part of the design, not a flaw, that when that separation comes, that's not something went wrong. That's how it's supposed to go. Um, that's a difficult thing. Um, and recognizing that maybe gives us the ability to let go when it's time um, and to see that as okay, not a loss or defeat or a failure. But that means going in, there's a certain bittersweetness too, knowing even as you start something, even as you unpack a box, that there'll come a point when this gets packed up again. And that's okay. It's not something to be afraid of. That's, that's how this works. What happens though for those transition, you know, like children growing up, we spend a lot of time talking about that. Yeah. And how that's, that's natural and, and a good thing. But how do we handle those transitions that are unnatural, that don't appear good on the surface? Yeah. Like job loss or even changing a job. Yeah. Like not necessarily getting fired from a job, but like just having to change jobs for whatever reason. You know, how, how do we tackle those things and how do we turn them into good things? Yeah, yeah. When in the moment it seems... Like a huge tragedy, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I, I think a piece of it is, um, one, being able to name it and to see that, the, that it's, it's grief and it's a transition um, that, need, that, that required, that takes, that takes a toll out of us. You know, I think that there, there was probably a time when anything like that that happened in life, you're just sort of told, like, walk it off, pretend it, you know, just start all over again. Like, this, this requires... A time for us to adjust to the process through to, to, to literally to grieve. Um, and, and owning that, I think, is important. Um, and being able to look back reflectively on um, what, what was successful and what wasn't successful. And, and then, obviously, like if you're talking about a change of job, 
there's also the additional layer of this was how I paid bills and put food on the table. There's that like deep like sustenance survival level. You know, what am I going to do? Do I have a plan for that? That that can make it hard to do the like upper level emotional processing if you're just like, how am I going to keep the lights on? Um, and maybe recognizing that all those are happening at the same time, I think, is important. I, I think maybe too, it's it's worth acknowledging that, that difference that you named, Erica. There are some transitions that life in our culture prepares us for because we see that story played out over and over again. And people that we know, when you oh, they get engaged, they get married, and then they have kids, and that's how that story goes. And we even have ritualized moments to celebrate those things. There are other transitions that we don't have a script for, and I think that's part of what makes them scary, is that we feel like, I don't know how to do this because I haven't seen it enacted for me by my friends or every sitcom or romantic comedy around me how to do this. Um, like, honestly, like as, as a child of the 80s, it felt like every sitcom I ever watched, you could watch, it went through the, the premise of the show, then someone would get married, then there'd be, when's the wedding episode, and when they have kids, like, each of these would be, you know, season finales, you knew, uh, as these fictional characters sort of modeled, here's how we do this, with a laugh track along the way, but when you're talking about how do I cope with the loss of a job, that, number one, doesn't have that time-bound, oh, nine months from the pregnancy announcing, you know, like, there's, there's an open-endedness, but also, we don't we don't have even ritual ways really of talking about the the how do I make sense of this kind of thing. And because of that, it feels a lot scarier. I think I think for a lot of people, what seems so scary in transition is when it feels like they don't know what comes next. And if you're given a transition where there's a clear model or somebody said, "I'm going to walk with you. Here's what's going to happen," it's a whole lot less scary. But when it's here's a new thing and I'm flying blind. We freak out, and we either want to retreat to, how can I make it be exactly like it was before, or I don't want to believe that the scary transition has happened, um, and instead we can be more open to it, I guess. Yeah, I think, uh, in, in owning my own nerdiness, there is a quote from Cora, uh, um, which is part of, like, Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah, uh-huh. I heard a podcast about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, in the season finale of season one... Avatar Aang visits Korra, and he says something along the lines of, when we are at our lowest is when we are um, open to the most change. Mm -hmm. And I think that those moments of transition, especially the ones of tragedy, is when it is the easiest for us to take leaps of faith. Mm. So... um, you know, how many times have we heard success stories of people who have lost their jobs and then, like, that's the moment that they decided to try the small business idea that they've been, like, thinking about for years and years and years but just never had the courage to do, and then it turned out to be wildly successful. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, sometimes those leaps of faith aren't wildly successful, but those are the moments that we have that freedom to try things because... When we're in a job, for example, that we feel really secure about, it gives us good benefits, a good pay, you know, very few of us are going to walk away to pursue that dream that we've yeah. always wanted to. But in those moments of transition, when like it's like sudden and abrupt and maybe not necessarily our choice, sometimes that's a push to do something new. Um, sometimes it's not, like, again, I can't really speak for everybody, but I think that those moments of 
tragic transition sometimes have the room for greatest positive change. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's worth also naming that some of those difficult transitions, and here's a trade-off, some of them are traumatic because they are fast and sudden and unexpected, and some of them are traumatic in a different way because they are the long goodbye. And neither one is necessarily the easy one. They're just different, they're hard in different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and whether you're talking about you know, the, the, the transition that is dealing with death, whether it's one's own or watching somebody else deal with sickness and death, um, or goodbyes and things like that, the, the fast goodbye hurts like ripping a band-aid off, and the long goodbye you know, hurts um, like having a paper cut that lemon juice keeps getting into. Like, there's, no, there's no way around, it's, it's difficult, and you just have to decide, I think maybe there's another like, pro tip for dealing with this kind of transition. When you're thrown one of those difficult separation kind of, the, the traumatic kinds, to ask, like, is this going to be something that is sudden, or has it been thrown at me, this is a fast one, and part of the, the, part of the, the difficulty is that it's fast. Is this, a, is this one that I can see coming, this is going to be a slow goodbye, and I need to be prepared for it. There's going to be a lot of small, it's going to be the, you know, the death of a thousand nicks, it's going to be a, a, a bunch of small goodbyes, and how do I prepare for that? It allows you to savor things in ways that you might not have otherwise, but also to allow, there's going to be a little bit of letting go each time, but the ability to see that and to ask that makes it a little less jarring or shocking. I think mm -hmm. you, again, the ability to be self-aware: what am I going through? What's the situation that I'm going through? Helps me to face it better, rather than feeling like I have no idea how to face this situation. But I think longer buys are only made slightly easier if we do actually face them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people I know, like you have this long goodbye, and then they're just still absolutely dumbfounded by the loss because yeah. they did not take the chance yeah. and when you're able to take that chance whether it be the death of a loved one or or transitioning you know into a new job that you know is coming mm -hmm. you know to make sure you take that time and, and deal with the pain yeah. so that when the transition finally comes when that final moment of you know the new job the death or whatever comes it's still going to be painful. It's still going to hurt for a while. Yeah. And it's going to hurt for some time afterwards. Because it, you know, it's transition. It, you know, yeah. Oftentimes there's hurt and there's grief. But it, it, I think it lightens the load a little bit. But I, I think you're right. They're, they're, they're both hurtful. And to say that one hurts less than the other mm -hmm. is, is very unfair. Unfortunately, I think we say that to too many people. Like, yeah. Well, yeah. you knew that they were... Right. You know... Um, that says, it doesn't make it hurt less, it makes it hurt different. <laughs> yeah, eight years ago, my, my grandfather was died. Um, and we knew like he was in the process. He was 96 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was coming. And I was in a class in seminary on death and dying, actually, as he was in the hospital in hospice care. I mean, he was 96 with pneumonia and all this other stuff. And so I, I kind of was able to prepare for it over a couple weeks period, but I mean, it still hurt when he was, you know, yeah. when that day, when that phone call finally came, that he was gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the ability to recognize when you've got a long goodbye or a transition that you can manage, that isn't shocking, like when yeah. you have some ability to manage time. One, it's avoiding the denial, I'm going to ignore it and then I want to deal with it. Yeah. That's not wise, but then being... I, I think being a good steward of that time of transition, saying, how do I make sure the people I need to say things to, I say things to. And the things that feel important for closure for me or for somebody else, that I take that time. And then also that when I say this chapter of this is done, I let go of that thing. And, this, and there's, there's going to be a lot of small letting goes of things in a transition like that. And again, it's difficult and it can be painful 
there's, there's grief that goes on all around. As, as something gets handed to somebody else, I'm going to need you to carry on. There's a certain grief as they take that on, not necessarily because it's a, a burden so much as like they realize what this, what this means, but it allows you to have a certain amount of control over, um, I, I want to know if this is going to be carried on when I'm not the one doing this. And, that, and that, in that regard, it, it's going to be okay in that regard. Um, it feels to me like um, this is one place where pastors, without making this all pastory again, but have the opportunity to help uh, both model and walk people through times of transition well. Not only when we do our own transitioning, whether leaving a call or retirement or uh, you know what, going on leave, uh, whatever those transitions might look like, but also as we're with people in lot, we in some ways we get to borrow or to live into other people's transitions a lot more. So like we likely just by the sheer number of times we're with somebody in the, in the house of death, uh, you know, we're in the hospital waiting room and things like that. We've lived through other people's transition and it doesn't have to jar us or shock us. And certainly it doesn't numb us, but then we can be people who guide others in those times to say, all right, let's think about what's going to happen now. How are we going to get through this? I have found even when it's like the literal actual, you're, in the hospital and you know you're not going to be leaving that hospital until someone has passed but like because I've been in that spot before with other people the family sometimes looks at you like what's going to happen next and you're the only one who's lived through that moment before and you can well here's probably what's going to happen we're going to do this and this and this and even though it's terrible what we're all living through just having a voice of Here's what's going to happen, and there's a guy that that can be so helpful you don't have you don't have to quote a Bible verse at them at all or given any kind of sermon but just that we're going to walk through this and you're not going to be alone in this. That's huge. Um, and if we would apply that same kind of thinking to how do we, how do we help walk people through other transitions, that, that would be really helpful for them. And I think, you know, it doesn't just have to be as, as pastors, right. you know, because we haven't experienced all the transitions necessarily that other people have, but like, when you lose a job, you know, it's having somebody else walk with you through, you know, mm-hmm. Okay, I understand your income was gone now, like, and, and you were really tight on money beforehand. Here are the steps to, yeah. like, here's where the local food bank is, here are the steps for unemployment, here are the steps to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And to have that person walk you through that, that has been through it before. Yeah. Just like us walking with a family through the death of a loved one in a yeah. hospital and saying, okay, everything is slowing down, like, it's, you're going to start gasping, like, you're going to hear... Yeah, yeah. You're here and see things that you're not used to hearing and seeing, but yeah. that, that's part of the process. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Like, and, and that, you know, if you're on hospice, they have pain medication. They're yeah. not, they may sound like they're in discomfort, that they aren't. Right. And, and I, I love the way you said that, that in other situations, it doesn't need to be a pastor that walks somebody through transition of job or something like that. But seeing all of our role might be, as, as, if you're in a position of relative stability in some area of your life, there's, a, in a sense, a calling that comes with that privilege of being in that stability. How do I then help other people who are going through yeah. transition? And if I'm in a stable place of footing, how do I use that to help other people whose footing is not sure because they're, going, they're coming into this or they're going out of it? How can I be a stable presence for others? And knowing that in turn, I'm going to be the one at some point in transition. I'm going to need somebody else who will walk me through it as well. That, that, I think that's a really helpful model. Um, are there other areas of transition in life in general that feel like we haven't touched on at all that we need to talk about? I, I guess I would just add as one category for us to briefly name it, maybe in some ways it's similar to these others, is the difficult transition um, 
of role reversal. Um, and often this happens with aging, especially as, as one generation sort of turns the, the, the rules they play with, say, uh, parents or the, the, the generation that came before them. You know, so like um, when, when adult children now have to attend to the needs of their uh, aging parents, sometimes those rules get reversed. And that's uncomfortable all around. I mean, I've, yeah. I've had lots of conversations with um, folks in their 80s and 90s who sort of grudgingly say, my kids want to be the boss of me now. And they tell me when I can and can't go out. And all, and they say it sort of like, no, I'm the teenager. I want to sneak out of the house. And they won't let me. Um, and they, they, can, they can laugh about it, but there's also a certain... That, that's uncomfortable. And nobody likes it. Nobody... The kids are not like salivating, going, ah, we have such power. We can control our... Like, there's grief in that. And to name it when it happens. And that, again, that's... In a lot of cases, a slow thing. It's uh, there's going to be this moment when the kid is the one, the, the grown child is the one thinking about the needs of their parent more than the parents thinking about the needs. And when those rules reverse, it's it can be scary, um, but it's that's also a part of how life goes. And naming that in whatever ways it happens, that's that's worth, I guess, recognizing and and naming that it's difficult. And as somebody who's getting close, closer and closer, I remember passing you. My parents are going to be seventy three this year. You know, not only is that a tough transition in the fact that nobody likes it, the parents doesn't like the child, you know, being told what to do, and the child doesn't necessarily want to have it. That's also the realization of death. Right. And that's, I think that's part of what makes it scary, is that we start extrapolating. We go, as those roles reverse, just like birth then leads into yeah, another reversal, it feels like, oh, there's this elephant in the room that we don't want to deal with or talk about or think about. And, yeah, that, that's part of what makes it uncomfortable, I think. Yeah, yeah. On my mind in all of this conversation has been words from the end of Mary Oliver's poem in Blackwater Woods um, that have become like etched in my brain. Um, She says at the end of this long, lovely poem, to live in this world, you need to be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it, and then when the time comes to let it go, to -hmm. let it go. And to me, I, I appreciate that idea that like there is a time in a season for holding on to something dearly, and it's not wrong in that right time to hold on to the thing dearly, as, as that's what love looks like. But also that at some point, part of what love looks like is the letting go of things. And it's not that at that point that love has failed so much as in this moment, this is the time for the letting go of this thing. Um, that's hard because we get used to one mode, and love looks like you always are there, you show up, and there, there's time for that. And then there's time for it means the letting go for something else to happen. But seeing that all of that is what love looks like in different seasons or different moments, I think is an important learning for me that I'm still wrestling with. Mm-hmm. So there's more to be said about other ways we can look at transition in life, uh, in, in the life of the, the body of Christ and in, in the, the church and in, as the people of God. So we're going to take a look in further episodes about other ways to look at uh, transition. But we appreciate you joining with us uh, in this important, uh, if heavy, conversation here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you. Bye.